And welcome into the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media and presented by our friends over at FanDuel. I am Evan Marinovsky and joining me today is Joe Haggerty. Hags? Evan, what's, what's up? up? Thank you for having me. Of course, not that much. Uh, it's just middle of February. Uh, lots to talk about. Obviously, the Bruins are, are struggling a little bit here. They had the shootout loss to Tampa on Tuesday. You had the loss to Calgary last week. You had the loss to Washington. I know you had the win against Vancouver in the middle, but they've struggled for a little bit here. Uh, the Bruins play Seattle on Thursday night. We're recording bright and early on Thursday morning, so... We have not gotten the chance to see what happens in the Seattle game. Uh, we can only guess that it was a phenomenal game. The stars were out. It was a, it was an incredible night, but don't know what ended up happening. Um, I'll hit you with this, Hags. Are you worried right now about the Boston Bruins? No. Um, I mean, I, I'm worried in the sense that like some of the things that I think are going to creep up and be issues in the playoffs are present when you're watching these games. Like there's some, there's a general lack of sort of toughness and assertiveness, I think on this team um, that is going to be a problem come playoff time was a problem last year against the Florida Panthers when there wasn't enough pushback uh, against the Panthers in that first round series. And I see it in a lot of losses that they have in games where they get pushed around by other teams at points. And I just think I continue to think they need to get tougher on the back end, uh, get need at least one more sort of big, strong, nasty customer on the back end uh, to play sort of mean and surly around the net and really take it to other teams and sort of put a little fear into other teams. I think they need another defenseman like that that can play big minutes uh, and also serve that kind of role. And, and frankly, they could use a forward like that, too. They could use a guy that uh, the Milan Lucic role that was supposed to be this year that obviously never happened. Um, I think they could use a player like that also, uh, fourth line, bottom six-wise. Um, use at least one more of those. But aside from all that, just looking at the three games that we've seen coming out of the All-Star break, or uh, four games now, um, I am not concerned. I think this is the natural sort of biorhythm of the season, especially when you are – comfortably locked into a playoff spot that they're not going to fall out of. I think there's a little complacency with this team right now. And I think that happens at this time of year when, when teams are at the top and, and other teams are, you know, hungry to try to get into the playoff structure. Uh, guys are trying to like win jobs for next year. If it's a team that's out of it, like you're getting, you're getting the best shot that pretty much every team is going to throw at you at this time of year, every night. And I think the Bruins don't have as much to play for. There's not as much on the line in a lot of these games. And I think you've seen a, a real lack of urgency a couple of times against Calgary and Washington. And I think that's going to happen. I think we're going to see wild for the rest of the season, based on where the Bruins are, and based on the fact there's no way in hell they're going to fall out of a playoff spot entirely. Um, you're going to see, I think, wild swings where they're going to lose a few in a row and win a few in a row. And I think we see this every year, especially when the Bruins are in the playoffs, in the second half of the year, once they've really like assured that they're going to be in the postseason, you start to see this where you know they'll lose their attention span for a few games and they won't look good, and then all of a sudden they'll snap it back together and they win a few, and it'll kind of go back and forth like this for the rest of the regular season for the final thirty games. Um, I was encouraged a by the response uh, after the Calgary game, by the Vancouver game, and then I thought they played a really good game against Tampa. I thought Vasilevsky yeah. really that game uh, but that was a game they deserved to play uh, win and played really well so that was a really nice response coming out of the Calgary game so as long as they don't get into a lull where they're losing five or six in a row and really just not showing up 
uh, and they can respond to them and have good games after bad games uh, or, you know, a couple bad games and then a good game. As long as they're sort of playing around 500 hockey or a little above the rest of the year and going back and forth, I'm not concerned at all. Beyond, like I said, what I've kind of diagnosed this team as uh, some issues that they're going to have to address at the trade deadline. I think you hit it. The ebbs and flows of a season are always going to be there, especially for a team that is in the position the Bruins are in. Um, in the second have, half, too. You know, yeah, like you're, yeah, you're going to have your ups and downs. Um, I get that. You, the toughness part is interesting because this is a problem that they've had. They had at the beginning of the year for parts of it. They've had in past years for sure, yep. and. It's sort of what's done them in at times. You know, they were kind of out-toughed by the Panthers last year in that at the second half of that series, and they lost because of it. Or it was one of the big reasons that they lost, along with some others. Um, and it's one of those things you want to see them shore up at some point in the regular season. And I agree with you. I think, you know, when the deadline, or as the deadline approaches, going out and getting someone who can fill a Lucic-type role, I think it's a great thing. I, I completely agree with that. Um, and, you know, whether it be a guy like Pat Maroon or uh, Liam O'Brien with the Coyotes, like someone that can kind of be tough and you know when he's on the ice, he's not going to take any crap. Duhame with Minnesota is another one. Like those kind of guys. Uh, Yes, I I think those kind of guys can help. And and to be honest with you, like the trade they made last year at the deadline when they got Orlov and Hathaway, it it, it doesn't have to obviously be in one deal with one team for two players, but I think those are the kind of – acquisitions that I think they should be looking to make again this year. Obviously it didn't work out last year with those particular players, but I do think there needs to be a stress for heavy uh, playoff style players uh, at the trade deadline. Like you mentioned, Liam O'Brien, who is limited as far as what he's going to do. So I I don't know if that's the guy that you want. I love from Minnesota. I think he's a good player. Maroon, obviously I think would bring swagger. Uh, Obviously this, the cup experience, toughness size, like any, he pops a few goals in too. In addition to all that, you know, he's, he's scored a few times this year, so he would help you a little bit on the ice as well. Like somebody like that, yes, I, I think those are the kind of guys they should be looking at uh, to stock up on at the trade deadline. My only has because I agree with you, I think you should go out and get that, but I don't think that does it. I don't think it's like, oh, Bruins have Pat Maroon, they're set. They're going to be tough throughout the playoffs. I mean, look at with like Ryan Reeves in Toronto, right? I mean, this dude just keeps coming out and talking, talking, talking. And then I, I saw he got taken down by someone the other night. Um, yeah. And it, it hasn't really shifted the Leafs culture at all. Um, because one person can't, typically one person, especially a fourth line player, is not going to completely change everything in front of them. Um to me, it's it's also the team toughness, and maybe that comes out in the playoffs. Like you have the guys, you know, you do have some players who are capable of that. Charlie McAvoy, Derek Forbert, Trent Frederick, um, you know, those guys can mix it up for sure. Uh, but I do think you do need to see, and and again, I know that it's the end of the regular season, so I, I don't know if now is the time, but you'd like to see a little something before the playoffs start that this team can be tough, that this team can be the aggressor, that this team isn't going to get pushed around come the playoffs. And I don't know if we've if 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 we've seen that of late. I know it's a bad stretch of hockey, so that's partially there, and you're going to have the urgent... You're going to have, as Felger used to say, the wet fart nights. It's going to happen. You know, you're going to have kind of the throwaway games that they, they don't, you know, bring the urgency in. But I do just... That toughness element, I'm still like, ah... Uh, I'm not sold yet that they're not going to get pushed around in the playoffs. What do you think? Yeah, I, I just think it's a mindset thing to a degree. And, 
you know, it's a tough balance for the Bruins and it's a tough line to walk, I think, for them because they also have major penalty issues. Um, and it's one of the real problems on this team as well that they take a lot of minor penalties. They allow a lot of power plays to the other team. Um, and, and I think it, it, you know, I think they're cognizant of that. And I think that's part of the problem is not wanting to just like allow the other team to be on the power play constantly every single night. Um, and if you're the aggressor and if you're the ones that are constantly looking for the fight or getting up in somebody else's face and, you know, pushing them around, you're going to call for some penalties occasionally. Um, less so, I think, than if you're the retaliator, of course. Um, yes, this is true. A traditional sort of hockey uh, <laughs> hockey axiom that uh, you'd rather be the initiator than the retaliator. L- when looking at the penalty. ref being like, did you see what he did? Did you, right. did you see what he did? Exactly. Uh, it happens to Finn. It probably happens to Finn. Oh. Oh, he, yes, it definitely does. And he gets his share of retaliation penalties. There's no question <laughs> about it. Um, so, like, I, I think, you know, that there's a delicate balance to walk there. But, like, I would – I think more often than not, especially if they're tired, especially if their, like, hearts aren't completely into it with urgency and, like, you know, like that Calgary game was a perfect example. They got pushed around by Calgary big time. Like, Calgary was – Every whistle, they were in the Bruins' face. They were initiating everything. They were the uh, aggressor. You know, they were very assertive about, you know, taking control of that game, making a physical statement, like all of that. And the Bruins were kind of like just looking around at the refs like, are you going to call anything? They weren't really doing anything to respond to it. And I'd, I'd like to see more consistently the Bruins be the team that's initiating and the Bruins be the team that is assertive and making the statement and going at teams and waiting for them to respond, retaliate and get penalties where I think there's too many times where the Bruins are reacting rather than initiating. And I think that is something that happens a lot. It's something that definitely happens in the playoffs where I feel like they're reacting more to what the other team is doing and happened against Florida last year, big time. Uh, they were reacting with Kachuk and, and Sam Bennett and some of those other guys were doing Gudis in that series. Uh, and they weren't, initiating it and they weren't sort of setting the tone physically and you know uh taking it to florida and letting florida respond to what they were doing i think that happens too much especially against good physical teams from my liking for the boston bruins so like yes team-wide i think they definitely could use a little bit more of that but there's also a degree of like you know some of these players i think just aren't that style of player and i don't think you're going to ask players to do things that they're not sort of that's not in their toolbox. That's not going to be, you know, that's out of their sort of area of expertise or out of their ability to do it. And once you start asking too many players to do things that they're just not capable of doing, or like is taking them way out in left field from what their game is and what they do. I think you're also asking for trouble in in that uh, sense. And in that degree too. So that's why I'm more in favor of bringing in a couple of more physical heavy players, because I think not only, Will it add to what they already have and allow it to be a more of a team toughness situation? But I think when you do add some players like that, especially if it's a guy like Maroon that's big and tough and is going to always be like the guy, if things get heated on the ice, it's going to have something to say or get in the other team's face. I think that makes everybody a little more courageous. I think that makes even the players that aren't, you know, comfortable stepping up as much or comfortable really like uh, playing the physical game. It allows them to play that game a little bit more. If they have the big brother, Pat Maroon on the bench, that's ready to take care of things if it really gets out of hand on the ice. And ultimately that's why you have those guys. And that's why you want those guys. That's why they wanted Milan Lucic this year to be that guy where the buck stopped with him if things got really crazy on the ice. And I think they are missing a player like that. 
And I, you know, as good as Charlie McAvoy is uh, setting a physical tone and throwing big hits, uh, and as good as Trent Frederick can be, like standing up for his teammates and, and other things, um, you know, and, and obviously Forbert, Carlo, those are big, strong guys, but they don't have that sort of big brother type player that's going to, you know, that the other team, when wow. he says get off, the other team's going to stop doing what they're doing. They don't have that kind of guy on their roster right now, and they could use a player like that. Well, well, it's interesting with you mentioned Frederick and I like Connor and I've mentioned this a lot this year. Um, you know, he's good when he ha- finds the balance. If he goes a little too much in the physicality, tenacity, aggressor uh direction, the rest of his game suffers and vice versa. And so it's with him it's a balance and he's found that balance a lot this year, but I agree you don't need him out there every shift looking to start stuff, looking to uh, be that aggressor. You, he's someone that has that a little bit of a skill upside we're starting to see, and I do. he's one that you, you want to keep on balance when you really need it. See, I disagree because I don't think him playing a physical game and him really playing on the edge takes away from everything else he does, and I don't think it makes him a lesser player. I think No, I mean more, I mean more looking for fights. That's what yeah. I, 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 I'm going more there. Physicality-wise, yeah. sure. I'm okay with looking for fights because, like, it's the NHL. There aren't there aren't that many players that are going to take you up on it if you go looking for a fight. Instead, you're going to end up like in the other team and making them back down. Like, I'm okay with him if he was like a, even more of a player that was looking for a fight out there and was really like getting in people's faces and and starting stuff because there's there's not a lot of guys that are going to fight him. You know, like he'd be able to do it without a lot of players responding to him. I just don't think he like wants to do it every single night, and I think that's where the issue comes in uh, with him. And he's, he's been great this year. He's been a much better player. I think he's been a much better from a skill perspective. Production-wise, he's on course for his best season, like 20 goals. Um, you know, He's doing some really good things, and I think he's made a really breakthrough season, and he's using his size and strength and like the speed that he has to really be effective in a lot of ways. And I think – you know. Offense-wise, playmaking-wise, just being a hockey player, I think he's gone to a whole different level that he's ascended to this year, and he's become, you know, an important part of that core group based on the way that he's playing. You know, he's gotten center time more this year than he has in years past because he's he can drive a line now with the way that he plays, and you know, he, he, it's that's different than the past. But I just think it's, I don't think it's like a discipline thing where he's like trying to toe the line and. You know, trying to uh, you know not distract from his game or take away from his game by looking for fights. I just don't think it's in him to be like that all the time. He's a pretty nice guy. He's a pretty. Oh yeah. I don't think it's in his temperament and his personality to constantly be doing that and going at other teams and really being like nasty with them. Uh, and I kind of wish it was a little bit more. You know, I wish that he played with a little bit more of that attitude on a consistent basis. Like I think. Lucic was always a pretty like nice guy too, and and not a guy that went in surly to every single game. And his teammates used to like do stuff to piss him off before the games to get him ready to go and to get him to act like that when he was on the ice during the games, kind of looking for a fighter or, or you know, with with something to prove or a chip on his shoulder or whatever. I kind of wish some of Trent Frederick's teammates would do that to him so he would play like that a little bit more, like right out of the gate, instead of being sort of riled up into it by the circumstances of the game or somebody you know, throwing a hit on Martian during the game or like something happening that he felt like he had to answer it for. I would like to see him come out and just be that guy to start with and be pissed off to start the game 
Um, and that's what I mean when, like, I think there's more to, to come out of him. And I think that's where it comes from. I, I don't, I just don't think temperament wise, he's, he is like some, you know, he's as mean as some, like a Tom Wilson say, I just don't think he approaches the game the same way, uh, game to game. And I think he's a different kind of personality. And I think that plays into it much more than anything else. Well, I mean, we've seen nice people in the past be mean guys on the ice. McQuaid, I mean, like there were, yeah. McQuaid is the nice off the ice, but yes. on the ice he was the meanest, toughest, baddest dude uh, that there was most nights on the ice. So I agree with you in the sense that, uh, you know, Frederick's having a very productive season and I'd like to see a little more of the, the toughness element. But I do think, I think his game has shifted because when he was coming up, it was very much, oh, he's... He's probably a fourth liner, and he's he's very tough, and he's gonna you know you know drop the gloves here and there, and we've still seen some of that. But I think his yep. and and this goes to your point, his game is ascending into that area of there's production there, there's potential. You know, there are times he can fit in the top six, um, yep. and I agree with you. I don't know if he's the kind of player uh, that can do both that can be a top six guy with the added getting in people's faces, whether it's not in him, whether it's a coaching decision, it hasn't, that, that hasn't always been there. See, but I think it's in his best interest to do that because he has the tools because he can produce the offense. If he puts that other piece in there, he becomes that mythic, mean, nasty power forward type. Oh, I, I would love that. Everybody wants perfect. Like his, his earning power goes up. Like, the desire for every team to have him goes up. His, you know, his his um, marketability as a player goes way up if he starts doing all of that stuff. You know, like if he he's once you've shown the ability that you can score twenty goals and be an effective actual player in the league, and you have his size and strength, and you have the ability to drop the gloves and play mean and and you know play on the edge and do all that stuff. You do all that stuff together, you're going to be making a ton of money, and everybody's going to want you. Every team wants a player like you're, that. You're, every team would want that guy at the deadline. Right, right. So that's my point. Is like I think he's putting things together to really become like something special if he can consistently bring, you know, everything. And I think he can do it. And and that's the thing I think I'm seeing this year is he's showing that he can hold up the end of the bargain that's tougher, frankly, from my mind, which is being a 20-goal scorer, being a guy that offensively can produce, being a guy that consistently can drive a line. Like, if you can do all that stuff and you have the other things going on, the physical elements of it and the the power forward elements of it, like, you know, it, all that's holding him back from doing that is, is playing that way on a consistent basis. And if he does that, I think he really becomes, you know, a, a – a Bruins player that fans will absolutely love and adore even more than they already do. You know, you're talking like, uh, you know, a, a fan favorite type player, uh, in addition to being a guy that's valued across the league. And it really becomes an X factor in the playoffs too. Like how much more, I, and I think this postseason is going to be big for him because he's not yes. been great in postseasons in the past, you know, and he hasn't had the best playoffs performances to this point, but I think he's the kind of player that is a big time X factor in this postseason. If he can play that nasty game and play with the effectiveness that he's had this year as a potential, you know, top six forward, top nine forward that can score and make plays and, and do a lot of different things. If he puts all that together, he becomes somebody the other team has to worry about in the playoffs big time. And he becomes a, a massive factor given his size and strength and how much that plays in postseason hockey. So that's why I kind of look at him right now. And I sort of break it down, and I even want more than what he's seeing right now because I think if he can take it to a another level, you know, 
he's got the potential. He's starting to show the potential to be even like a, um, you know, a Kachuk level factor in the playoffs. If he, if he can consistently play that way night in and night out and play with a little more attitude and, 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 you know, be a guy that really gets in your face a little bit more and find that way to do that. Like, I just think all the elements are there and we're starting to see it develop. He's even a better player than I thought he was going to be at the NHL level. Now he's shown this year. Every, than everybody thought. Yes. A hundred percent. But he's showing enough that, like, you watch him and you're like, I want to see even more because he's capable of it now. You're starting to see that he can really be uh, a kind of a game changer in the postseason. And he could become a playoff type player. He just, he has all the elements, all the skills, all the attributes to really become a factor, a big factor in the postseason. He, he should. I completely agree with you. He should. Um, real quick, quick word from our sponsor. Quick break in the show to tell you about our good friends over at FanDuel. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and shoot your shot. FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NBA. 21 plus and present in mass. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Now, back to the conversation. So we've talked, uh, we're, we're talking deadline and, and what the Bruins should acquire. Obviously, it's something we're going to be talking about a lot. I imagine you'll be talking a lot about that over at Pucks with Hags and, um, We'll start with this. What are you willing to give up? Because every deadline for the last bunch of years, pretty much every deadline, uh, we've said, all right, go all in. Last year, uh, it was, hey, go out. You give up the first. Give up what it takes. You know, potentially a last dance type situation. Best team in NHL history. Do what it takes. That's what you got to do. Do what it takes. And a lot of years, you know, Sweeney has been fine giving up the first. Um, and typically it's for players who we can hopefully acquire with some term, like a Hampus Lindholm. Um, obviously like the Rick Nash thing didn't really work out, but that was sort of Rick Nash and his concussion history. That wasn't so much, you know, a, a true rental. Um, Taylor Hall, that was a guy you traded for with the idea that he was going to stay and he did. So like, yep, he, that's another one. Category two. Yep. Yep. And, it, and, and you know what, that was another one that was basically, it was handed to you pretty much. I mean, he just wanted to kind of yep. come here. Um, but this year, it's a unique situation. Uh, you know, this team is overperforming a bit. I think I think you and I both had them as playoff teams. I don't know if we necessarily had them as, you know, first in the Atlantic, near first place in the NHL. They were um, wild, for sure. Yeah, I had them as like three. I had them at the in the third spot in the Atlantic to start the year. Um, but again, you're not making a first or second round pick this year yet. Those matter. Uh, how much are you willing to give up at this deadline? I, I don't want to trade the 2025 first round pick. Um, I don't want to trade a first or a second round pick. Um, you know, they don't have a, I don't, I believe they don't have a second round pick until 2026. That's good. 
Um, I know. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't want to trade um, Mason Lowry. I don't want to trade Matt Patra. Um, you know, I, I don't want to trade any of the top picks or the guys that are going to be impact players you think at the NHL level or any other high draft picks, um, you know, I, I, and I think we've talked about this a little bit. I'd certainly be willing to look at, um, you know, a guy like uh, some of the expiring contract guys, Matt Grizzlick, Jake DeBrusque. Um, I would certainly look at a guy like Fabian Lysel, who has played well in Providence in, in the AHL. Um, and we'll have some value as a prospect. Like sometimes you develop prospects and you bring people up through your organization that you don't necessarily think are ever going to play for you. They're just, they're not the right kind of player. They don't play your style. They don't fit mesh with the coaching systems, whatever. Um, and I think Lysel may end up being one of those players that has got first round talent. Um, has got value around the league and like, there are probably places that he could go and have success but I'm not sure the Bruins target him as somebody that is going to be a Bruins, you know, player for 10 years in Boston. So like those guys have value as trade chips uh, when you develop them as prospects. So I, Lysel's a guy I would definitely look at, um, you know, beyond that, I, I don't know. I, it would depend on what other teams think uh, is valuable. I, you know, I remember that athletic piece where they were talking about Matt Patra and, uh, Trent Frederick and a first round pick. Oh, that was for Lindholm, right? <laughs> Ridiculous, right? Like, no way. Like Frederick, they are not going to trade. He is a Bruin style player. Like, yeah. I wouldn't Frederick for Elias Lindholm straight up. Like, forget about all the other stuff in there. Um, you wouldn't? No, I would not. Um, I, I just Elias Lindholm's around thirty. He's going to be starting to make big money. I'm not sure if he's like you know still on the upswing in his career. You may be getting him uh, when, when he's starting to regress as a player. Um, I just I think Frederick's more of a Boston Bruins. I think Frederick is more valuable to the Bruins um, now and moving forward than than a guy like Lindholm would be uh, for the next five years. So um, I, I you know so I wouldn't trade Frederick in any kind of deal. I, I'm not interested in. You know, trading any young impact players. Uh, you mentioned Lauko. I hadn't read anything about that. Um, that's interesting if he has value, but he's a fourth liner. I'm not sure how much value he has around the league. But bottom line is, I, I don't. I, I think there are some pieces they could look at and say maybe we'd trade this. But like, you've also, if you're a Bruins fan, I think need to be realistic. They don't have a first round this year. They don't have a first round next year. They don't have a second round pick until 2026. They have a couple of young players that have a lot of value that they're not going to want to trade. Maybe they will be willing to trade a Lysel, but what are you going to get for Lysel and maybe something off your roster like a Grizzlick or a DeBrusque that's uh, going to expire in contract? I, I don't know that you're going to get a ton. So it's it. So just a reference because you you mentioned it. The Fluto Shinzawa piece on uh, Lauko literally dropped like this this morning before we recorded, and basically the whole Fluto's point was um, the Bruins look at Lauko as a fourth liner. Yep, maybe who could play third line minutes when he has to. Um, you know, is there a sentiment around the league that he could be someone that could do? more uh, than just that and that he's not so pedestrian and I think one NHL executive was uh, quoted anonymous, anonymously as basically being like there's a lot of Laukos around the league uh, that might be the case but so I agree with you I don't know how much you could get for Lauko um, and also he does have a little bit of toughness to him he does you know, he, he, and I think what was that he plays with a little attitude absolutely he does 
He does, and I think you do need that. So I don't know if I'm totally ready to deal him off. Uh, again, unless you're getting way better. If, you, if you're going to trade current roster pieces, you like. so this is my thing with gr- trading Grizzlick and DeBras. More importantly, Evan, who is going to call me over in the locker room and want to break down what's going on in the MCU, the Lord of the Rings, uh, you know, Game of Thrones? Like This is your kind of guy. That's who's going to guy. Re- like sci-fi series on uh, Amazon Prime that he watched, they really liked. Like, Loco will literally say, "Hey, Joe, come over here," and we'll start like breaking <laughs> down Echo because we just watched it on uh, on Disney Plus or you know whatever. What was he? he uh, we were talking about the Marvels the other day when I was in the locker room. Like, I I, I hope they don't trade him because I enjoy <laughs> a little, little pop culture sessions. Well, I was going to say in that case, then I don't want them to trade Loco. That no. can't happen. <laughs> I agree with you. He's because he's that kind of guy, and 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 uh, he he's outspoken about it on Twitter with Lord of the Rings and and all that stuff. And that's right in your wheelhouse. That's like your that's your like exact taste. Um, yes. If if, uh, if you were an NHL player, you would be just like Jakob Lauko uh, in terms of media things like that. So it'd be, it'd be I, I definitely would be. And and you know, and on the ice, I do think I believe he to your point and. To what Fluto wrote, I do believe he's a fourth line player right now, or bottom six forward that's got some offensive upside and has shown it in the past. He's got moments where he shows a little something offensively, and I think those guys have a lot of value. I think that's what you want in your bottom six is guys that not only will play the physical element and the gritty element and the energy element that's needed in a fourth line role, but have that ability to contribute a little bit and have that ability to like flash a little bit uh, in addition to playing that way. Like that's what you want. You don't want like God bless Oscar Steen, but like that guy is yeah, really showing much of anything, and he's been played for thirty or forty games. And I just don't think he's. I think the thing he's shown is he's not really an NHL player. He's probably that tweener between the AHL and the NHL. I don't feel that way about Lauko. I, I think when you see him, you see flashes of something, and he's shown it consistently. I agree. That's what you want in your bottom six. You don't need the guy who you kind of know what you're going to get. I mean, sometimes you need that, but in a younger player, you want someone with uh, a little bit, a little bit of upside. Um, but in terms of trading players off the current roster, right? Like we talked about Lauko, uh, but Krizlik expiring contract, DeBrusque expiring contract. Uh, there doesn't. I mean, DeBrusque has been vocal about wanting to stay here. Krizlik yep. obviously does, considering he's from here. Um, I think the Bruins have hit the point of no return. With those guys, in the sense that they're first in the Atlantic, there's not a ton they can do trade wise. It's not like they have all these young pieces or, or uh, draft picks that you can deal off to supplement them. I think you almost have to keep them if you know, yeah. and that's that's where the addition is, right? It's sort of like the Krug situation uh, from a few years ago, where. Um, you know, again, they kind of pulled the contract offer off the table from him, uh, and I know the pandemic impacted things back then. Um, but again, I think unless you're packaging DeBrusque or Grizzlick for a much better player and you're improving, it's hard to justify that. And at the beginning of the year, I, I kept saying, you know, if they're a middle-of-the-pack team, you know, trade DeBrusque and or Grizzlick for draft picks. Get assets for them. But now yeah. I think you're at the point where you can't do that. I, I think the Bruins are in a situation where – they're not going to be players for like the big ticket items. And that's, I think what you would essentially be mentioning those players, because you would have to trade somebody to clear cap space to bring in a big ticket item or a guy with a big cap hit. You would need to clear some money to do that. And and I think that's where that sort of whole thing comes in. Um, 
the the players that we're talking about, like uh, you know, a, a defenseman that potentially might be a, a bottom pair guy that uh, you know can drop the gloves and and throw hits and block shots and and play nasty, and a, a fourth line type, um, you know, the Pat Maroons of the world. Like those guys aren't going to cost you a ton of assets. They're not going to cost you first round picks. They're not going to cost you your best prospects. So like those are manageable trades, both in terms of assets given up and salary cap gymnastics for the Boston Bruins. I don't think it's going to cause them a lot of problems. Now, the one player that I think would change all that if it became real that the Bruins could get him and would get him is Noah Hannafin. And I think that's when you would start to see some maybe pieces move that you wouldn't necessarily expect to move or would have to move in order to make that happen. And I I think they would do it with Noah Hannafin because they want Noah Hannafin. They want to sign Noah Hannafin. They want Noah Hannafin to be a Bruin long-term. He would be in the Hampus Lindholm, Taylor Hall, like whatever situation where yes. worth the stretch for them to do it because it's a player that would be there for a while. you know. And that's when they I think they – decide that it's okay to give up um, more future assets. So that's the one where I think those kind of names could still be in play, both to make the salary cap work and to make the trade happen. You might be looking at something like that um, as part of the deal. But I think he's honestly, what I from what I look at, he's really the only player I see them trying to bend over backwards to make something like that happen. And there's also the, the, the side of it where um, – would would they would other teams trade for a guy like Noah Hannafin, like thinking that the Bruins probably are going to make a huge run for him in free agency after the season's over if he's not signed, you know? And that's also uh, true. Maybe that's part of the reason, you know. Like I think that's part of the reason why he's not going to sign in Calgary. I don't think we're going to see him sign an extension with the Flames uh, because I think he wants to move closer to home, be closer to his family. And like I think there's a lot of teams around the league that feel like he it's already a done deal that he's going to sign with the Bruins and that he's going to come back to Boston um, after it's over. So like after the season's over. So I, and does that affect like play teams trading for him as a rental? His value does it become a situation where it's like Taylor Hall, where everybody knew Taylor Hall wanted to go to Boston and they could it, Buffalo could only get a second round pick for Taylor Hall because he really made sure made certain he was going to go to the Bruins. Could something like that happen with Noah Hannafin where he makes it known that he's not going to, you know, through channels that he's not going to sign anywhere else and that he wants to be with the Bruins and he sort of makes it so that he gets traded uh, to Boston or, or, you know, makes it easier or ties uh, Calgary's hands, Craig Conroy's hands where he has to, you know, do business with the Bruins. I think all that stuff is interesting and it's going to be really fascinating to see how it all plays out. The one thing I can tell you, is Noah Hannafin, when he came to Boston with the Calgary Flames, he played like he wants to play for the Bruins and like he was trying to impress them. And like, you know. He was in the beanpot the night before, I think. Yeah, like there was a lot on the line for him. You know, he he looked like a motivated player that wanted to put on a show and and show the Bruins what they're missing and what they want. And he looked good. And he looked really good. Um, And I think he's exactly what they need. I think they need another defenseman to add to Lindholm and McAvoy that's you know, that could turn into a big three, similar to what they had with Orlov last year. Um, and I think he's the kind of guy to do that. And I think, obviously, like, I think, I, who was I joking? Was I joking with Connor Ryan about this, where it's like uh, Don Sweeney's Thanos with the uh, Infinity, the the Stones, every time he acquires another 2015 first-round pick that he missed on, uh, <laughs> he gets, uh, he, you know, he does the whole thing and, and gets uh, a little more power and, 
uh, juice like Thanos every time he puts a stone in the glove. So I think uh, Hannafin would be another player like that, you know, like uh, after getting Zaka, the, the Hannafin would be another big one for him. I was going to say they're getting everybody from the 15 draft. I will but, say also if they did get Hannafin or if and when they do, uh, that's my guy in the locker room, Sebs. We can talk Sebs. Uh, we, can, we can talk about how Sebs has fallen and you know uh, didn't live up to the expectations of the cover, um, all that. <laughs> you you, I, you jinx on him, Evan. You put him on the cover and you put I, all the pressure on him. I did. I did. But they are, I, not to get too far into the prep world, but they are getting back in the Elite Eight conversation. They're like right outside. So if they make a comeback, I look how are, the, uh, how are my boys at Rivers doing right now? Uh, they're good. They're young. They're up and down. They have some really good games. They have some eh games, you know, like, but that's a young, they're a very young team. So that's yeah. kind of the way it goes with them. They had a big win over St. Mark's last night, like six to five. So good for them. Um, Han- no, Hannafin though, this is a really interesting take by you that I know is informed because I know you, you haven't said anything to me about that. But I know there's a little information, in um, but I, it's an interesting take because, and, and I'll push back on this though. If you know, you're probably going to sign him in free agency. Do you want to give up the assets now to get him, or would you rather right. wait? Because that's the no, thing, right? Because if if you're yeah. going out and trading for Hannafin, obviously, like, and, and I'm fine with this. If you're trading for Hannafin, if you want to trade DeBrusque and or Grizzly, that's fine. Also, low rise probably going in that deal because it feels like a comparable thing. Um, maybe, I, I don't, yeah, I don't think they're going to trade low rise. I think they like him. I, I, well, see, I'm not saying they don't. I'm just saying that for Hannafin, what if Calgary says we want Lowry in return? Then you don't trade for him, and you let them try to trade him to other teams that you know are going to low. It's going to degrade his value if they think he's not going to sign there. So, you know, that's what I mean about like tying their hands where they have to, you know, do yes. business with the Bruins, and they want to get something for him. That's the yeah, other thing, right? Like, if, you know, it, it could turn into a situation where they don't have to give up anything they really don't want to and get him. Um, if, if that's where he wants to go and he kind of makes it known, like, it's going to be interesting to see how that whole thing plays out. But I just, I, I don't, you know, if you think he's going to come here in the, in the, uh, summer anyway, you really don't, you're not going to feel the need to overspend for him in, uh, at the trade deadline. That's for sure. What's your prediction? What do you think happens with him? I think, he, I think, I, I think he ends up signing here as a free agent. I'm not sure the Bruins are going to give up the assets to get him at the deadline. Um, and I'm just not sure they're going to want to go like, you know, even like we're talked about, like they don't even have a second round pick to trade. Like if, if, if Calgary says, all right, we won't take a first, we'll take a second instead. They don't have one. They don't have one until like 2027, I think, or 2026. So like, <laughs> you know, you're not even going to have that to, to give them. Uh, I just don't think you have the assets um, unless you trade the, I mean, you'd probably have to trade the 2025 first round pick just to make it work because there's so many other things you're not going to want to give up or can't I, give up. And, I, and that's Dude. why I think like Lowry comes in. Yeah. I just, I like think, they like, I think they like Lowry. I don't think they want to trade him. No, you know? no, I'm not saying they don't. I'm saying that I feel like to, to get a deal done, Calgary might say we need Lowry in right. return, um, which, which is why, again, which is why I don't do the deal. Right. Which is why I don't think I, I don't necessarily think he becomes here at the deadline. I just I think the Bruins, given where they are salary cap wise, given where they are asset wise, given the things that I think are most important for them to get, given that this whole year I still view as a transition season, going from the old the, uh, the guys that retired and the old crew uh, to the guys that are taking over now, I still view this whole season through that prism. 
given all that stuff, I just don't think they're going to be huge splashes at the trade deadline. I think they're going to make a couple of moves for guys that are more sort of role players uh, that add heaviness, physicality, attitude, all that stuff, um, rather than like overspending for the the big shiny objects that are going to be available on the trade market. You know, I, I just don't think they're going to be big spenders when it comes to that, even though the East is wide open, even though they're in first place, even though it looks like they've got as good a chance as anybody else of getting to the Stanley cup final. I, I just maybe lesson learned from last season too, that they went out, they, they spent in assets, they traded for every need they thought they had and the chemistry wasn't right in the playoffs, you know? So maybe they do it a different way this year. I agree with you. I don't think they're big spenders, uh, but I do love the idea of Hannafin, and I would love him uh, in the offseason because I think, my God, that would beef up your defense yep. quite a bit, and you'll have the money to do it. Um, Hags, it's always a pleasure. Uh, where, What should people be on the lookout for when it comes to uh, your content? Um, well, obviously, you've got the Pucks with Hags podcast. Um, I think there should be one dropping today that I did with Mick Collagio. Um, there is also obviously my stuff at Substack, joehaggerty.substack.com. Get a premium membership and you get all of my NHL and Bruins writings and content sent directly to your inbox. Uh, I think I'm going to write today a little bit about um, uh, the ludicrous <laughs> fine that Linus Allmark got for high sticking. What uh, the hell was that? I've watched it like a hundred times. I haven't seen, I like, did it, did it clip his helmet? I, I, I don't know. Top of his helmet, but like no penalty, no fine for Isomont, nothing for the shoulder check he threw into Allmark that preceded that and started that whole thing. Like wasn't pushed at all, by the way, was not yeah. pushed. Oh, he just, he just threw a shoulder into Allmark's head and you know, they obviously waved off the goal, which they absolutely had to, but <laughs> that, like there's no penalty. There's no fine for him. Like, you know, crashing the goalie like that. Like I think the, if you're not going to, like, call a penalty on Isomont, if you're not going to, like, do anything to him, don't fine all, Mark. Just, like, let let them wash each other and cancel each other out and, you know, wash your hands and move on. So I, I think I'm going to write something about just how ludicrous that was today uh, as a quick aside. But um, you'll also find my stuff on Boston Sports Journal after every Bruins game. I think this weekend I'm going to have uh, an NHL notebook that's going to feature a lot of stuff that people have not seen read or heard uh, from Patrice Bergeron because I talked to him a couple days ago um, about how retirement's going for him, about, you know, his future plans, about, you know, a lot of different stuff. I I talked to him about Marshy's uh, thousandth game and he was great about that. Uh, But he also like, uh, you know, talked a lot about in the comeback rumors, obviously he talked about and had some fun with that as well. Um, But you're going to be able to read all that stuff at the Boston Sports Journal this weekend. It should be good stuff. And you want to start a youth hockey team with it. I think that was the big thing. You, you want Finn to go against Zach Bergeron. That, that's uh, Finn's a few years older. I would Zach, say so Zach's much younger. Zach's much younger. Finn actually skated with Zach um, a couple weeks ago when there was no school, uh, the teacher strike. Uh, we put together like a little skate uh, at Pheasanton for all the kids that weren't going to school so they could skate for a couple hours like a Friday morning when uh, the, the, it was towards the end of the strike, but there was no school. So Finn and Zach were out there together, and Finn was like one of the older kids uh, taking care of Zach a little bit and making sure he felt like he belonged with the big boys and the older guys. And uh, it was cool to see the the two of them out there together having fun. But he actually – Zach plays with my daughter Zoe on uh, on the Mites oh. team. So they, they, they have fun together. Uh, That's fun. That's yes. fun. 
Um, is your dog in the room, by the way? I can hear it scurrying around. Is it? Uh, yeah, I went back downstairs. He was. Oh, he was I was gonna say. I was gonna say, bring it in. If the dog comes in, you gotta bring it on camera. That's a rule Next on this time. podcast. Um, but anyways, uh, Hags, always a pleasure. Uh, and for CLNS Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruins Beat listeners, have a great rest of your week. Teenage Wasteland.